Well, a big thank you to Tyler and Matthew for offering that for us and just another way of showing how it is that we are able to give of all of our gifts as it has been given to us. You know, there's never been a church I have served where at some point I have asked the folks what kind of sermon series they would like to hear, and the church did not say Revelation. Everybody wants to hear about Revelation, and I think it's partly because we are fascinated by end times mythology. It is like the monster movie we are allowed to watch in church. And then here comes Jesus actually saying, okay, here's how it's going to be. And this is where we get the Gospel of Matthew, specifically chapters 24 and 25. So the Gospel of Matthew, at least these couple of chapters, really hone in on that apocalyptic uh, genre, uh, which, of course, apocalypsis means revelation. So the revelation that happens has all of this uh, imagery in it, and it even harkens back to um, Daniel in the Old Testament, which part of that is apocalyptic literature, talking about the Ancient of Days being enthroned in glory, bestowing on Uh, Some versions say, one like a son of man, with dominion and glory, setting forth the full manifestation of God's reign. So you can really hear kind of the apocalyptic uh, metaphors and imagery in there, and it's got everything you would want. You, You got the light, you've got the angels, you've got the drama, and of course, you've got the judgment. Can't rule out the judgment. Maybe that's one of the reasons that we also like, or we want to hear about Revelation, so maybe we can get the cheat codes. So that when we get to the end, we know how to pass the test. So in Matthew 25, Jesus talks about this and talks about how all the people will be judged and kind of separated out like sheep and goats. And just a little bit of history, sheep or sheep were a little bit more uh, resourceful than goats because you could do a lot with sheep that you could not do with goats. And so sheep were considered more valuable. And so this is what Jesus means by separating out the sheep and the goats. But, of course, in his context, he's talking about what we, God's people, did and did not do. One professor professor of Christian ethics, Mark Douglas, puts it this way. We are saved neither by grace nor even by accepting the gospel, but how we treat other persons. We are justified before God by works that are shaped not only by the pursuit of justice, but by a particular understanding of justice focused on the treatment of the least of these. And we may be thinking, well, doesn't Paul write somewhere, it's Ephesians, doesn't Paul write somewhere that we are saved by grace through faith? And yet again, does not the letter of James proclaim that actually faith without works is dead? How do we live alongside these passages, which one is right, which one gives us the right answer? What if it's not about us? Today is Christ the King Sunday or Reign of Christ, the last Sunday in our church calendar where we remember Christ as King, which of course also reminds us how it is that we are setting up ourselves to celebrate the next great season, the first season of our church calendar, the season of Advent, where we celebrate and we anticipate Christ our King being born in our midst. Now, it would certainly be easy If all we had to say was, you know, just believe what your king says. 
Just believe what our king tells us, and maybe that's what separates Jesus from other kings. Not this idea of just believe what I say, which is all about me, but live this out, which is all about others. So perhaps this is one of the times that we need to remember that the Gospels come after Paul's letters. The stories of Jesus come after Paul's descriptions of the end times and those few fragmented pieces that he writes about uh, of the rapture that we oftentimes can blow up. Because here comes Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew reminding us that if we are so concerned about the future, we first need to be concerned about the present. And maybe a way to do that is to think, when have we been the least of these? When have we been in trouble? When have we been in need? And do we know what it's like for someone to come to our aid, to recognize us, to see us, when we have felt invisible? My sister and her family have lived in New York for like eight years now. She took care of me when I was a little kid because my parents were working. Every Sunday I cook, and so my uncle calls me and um, he'll be like, hey, what you making? Nobody meets in bars anymore, but I I met my wife in a bar and, uh, you know, 34 years later, still working. My grandma had a lot of costumes from the theater that she started. When we were kids, we'd dress up in those costumes and we'd put on little sketches for the family. In my whole life, I've always felt like we were like a team, my brother and I. I think there's nobody who can understand you quite like your family. That's my cousin. That's really weird. I know she's not homeless because I just hung out with her a couple weeks ago. But I mean, it's—I did not know that that person walking when I was walking by was her. (laughs) It's you know, things are a lot more real than you expect. So.
when he finally arrives, blazing in beauty, and all his angels are with him. The Son of Man will take his place on his glorious throne. Then all the nations will be arranged before him, and he will sort the people out, much as a shepherd sorts out sheep and goats, putting sheep to his right and goats to his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Enter, you who are blessed by my Father. Take what is coming to you in this kingdom. It has been ready for you since the world's foundation, and here is why. I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was homeless, and you gave me a room. I was shivering, and you gave me clothes. I was sick, and you stopped to visit. I was in prison, and you came to see me. Then those sheep are going to say, Master, what are you talking about? When did we ever see you hungry and feed you, thirsty and give you a drink? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and came to you? And the king will say, I am telling you the solemn truth. Whenever you did one of these things to someone overlooked or ignored, the least of these, that was me. You did it to me. We all probably have that version of the story dinner with Jesus. The story when a person gets a phone call from Jesus saying, I'm going to have dinner with you tonight. And the person is all excited and spends all day getting things ready and cooks all the food in their house and, you know, gets the best bottle of wine. And the person even makes a prayer shawl to wrap around Jesus when Jesus shows up. And in the midst of the dinner, getting everything ready, the person receives a knock on their door and someone from the apartment down the hall said, you know, I've been smelling what you've been making uh, all, all day. My family and I, we, we haven't eaten in three days. I'm just wondering if maybe you could feed us. And so the person takes all of their food and gives it to this family. A few minutes later, somebody else arrives and says, you know, my brother has come home. We haven't spoken in 20 years. And we're just wondering if maybe you had any wine that we could share with each other. And then about an hour later, as the person is still waiting on Jesus, a homeless person knocks on their door and says, I'm freezing. Can you help me? And the person gives away that shawl that they had made for Jesus. Finally, about one o'clock in the morning, the person hears a knock on their door. The person opens the door and they're standing Jesus. And the first thing this person says is, you know, I've been waiting all night for you. I made all my food and I gave it away to some other family. I've Bought, used all my money to buy the best bottle of wine I could, and I gave it away to someone who was celebrating with their brother. And then finally, the shawl that I had made for you, I made with my own two hands. I gave it away to someone who was cold. I waited and I waited for you, and you never came. And Jesus says, yes, I did. What is it like to have that kind of access to our king, our king who is not in a separate detached kingdom, but reminding us day after day, our king of the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God, the reign of Christ is here. 
And that kingdom that reigned is outlined for us right here in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25. Jesus telling us this is what it's like to live in the kingdom of God. So as we look beyond stewardship, as we look beyond our pledge campaign, and we hope that you continue to be a part of that if you have not pledged to please continue discerning to do so. But even looking beyond that, Let us look at how we can feed the hungry. Let us look at how we can clothe the naked. Let us look at how we can visit those who are lost and alone. This Advent, let us look at what, and more importantly, who we can welcome. Last week, we hosted a clergy event with Bishop Berlin. And as we had literally hundreds of clergy in our church... One thing Bishop Berlin said to all of us was, I don't need to tell you to do any of this. I just need to remind you. And sometimes that's really all that we need is just a reminder of what it's like to live in the kingdom of God. So here it is. Here is my top five reminders of why this church is so generous. And these are in no particular order except for number one. I'm going to save that for last. But number five, we have a brand new lay visitation team. Some of you are a part of this. We have about 10 of our laity who have gone through a training and have talked with the pastors about being equipped to go out and to visit those in our congregation and in our community. Ten people who are now bringing the church to others so that they know they are not forgotten. Another one is Breakfast with Santa. Nikki brought this up. It's going to be next, well, this coming Saturday, starting at... 9.30? 9.30? 9 or 9.30. It's in your bulletin. But um, we've only been doing this for a few years. I remember the first year that we tried this. And again, it was a big experiment. And as we had our own church people coming, you know, we were eating pancakes and making crafts and listening to Christmas music. And of course, Santa was there. Um, there were also some individuals who were homeless, who were walking uh, across the lake and uh, smelled the pancakes and the sausage. And as they came forward, the guys who were making all of it said, yeah, absolutely, take a plate, take two plates. And then they let the folks know that we were upstairs having a, a great time. And as they came upstairs, everybody, you, welcomed them in. And you spent time with them, and you sang uh, Christmas music with them, and you drank coffee with them, and you had conversations. And what they told us afterwards, because this uh, was on the same day as we had uh, Sights and Sounds that first year we tried this. And they said, you know, we'd love to stay for Sights and Sounds. We'd love to uh, hear the Christmas music, but we have to get back to the mission, uh, to the shelter, because um, you have to be there by a certain time. But they said, if we could stay, we would. If we could stay, we would. Number three took place right here in our sanctuary as we were getting ready for the big uh, capital campaign to renovate and remodel the F building, which is now our youth and community outreach center. Pastor David was here and some other church leaders giving the logistics and the mechanics, uh, what it was we exactly need. But the clincher at the very end was Shelby Hallman. Shelby is currently our youth intern She is going to Florida Southern to learn to become a youth leader herself. But she stood right here and gave a story about how much the youth ministry, how much this church had impacted her over the years. And because of that, she then now has discerned a call into ministry with youth. 
And it was at that moment that I experienced all of you saying yes, really saying yes, that this will work because of Shelby's story. During Hurricane Ian, as we were uh, closing down the church, as we were buttoning down the hatches, making sure that everything was as protected as it could be, I got a phone call from Pastor David saying that he was on his way from the Mulberry area with about 25 men and children who needed shelter. They had not been able to find shelter because they were undocumented. And so the decision that we made was they can come here. They can come here. They can rest in our gym. We'll give them clothes. We'll give them food. They'll have a place where they can be safe because they had already been turned away. Not only had they been turned away from outreach facilities, they had been turned away by a church. And never once did it cross our mind. What would you all say if we let them in? We didn't even think about it. We just opened our doors because we knew that is what you would do. And finally, number five, actually, number one, another hurricane story. Hurricane Irma. This was actually my first hurricane experience. And I remember folks telling me when I asked about hurricanes and, and what do you do, everyone was like, oh, it's fine. No big deal. Get some more water, maybe a few cans of SpaghettiOs. You'll, you'll be fine. Actually, we, we tend to have parties. And then Hurricane Irma came in. And we all remember what that was like if we went through it. But what I remember even more is a few days later, our Mission Depot and our gymnasium being open and all of these supplies coming in. And as soon as it was coming in, all of these supplies going out. And all of you, in the midst of um, whatever challenges that you were going through, all of the messes that you were cleaning up, the people that you were trying to take care of, care of being here and sweating through those hot, humid days post-hurricane, making sure that people in the community People who were in need, elementary schools, receiving blankets and canned goods and water and uh, outlets that people could charge their phones. I mean, again and again and again. And that was the day I fell in love with this church. Because you lived out the reign of Christ. Which says we see people and we respond to their need. Someone once said, God's favorite project is to teach you and me the fundamental lesson, the secret, the truth, that to love is to live. That's the reign of Christ. That's the kingdom of God. Let us pray. And so, gracious God, as we approach this season of celebration, of anticipation, as we have come through a season of giving thanks, of being amongst others, or perhaps spending the holiday alone, may we see you. May we see you in our midst, and may we hear your call to share your love and your life with each other. We pray this in your name and in your reign. Amen. To those who are visiting, maybe for the first, second, or third time, we are so happy that you have chosen to continue to be with us. And to all of us who call this church home, know that this is a home and a sanctuary for all. To those who are hungry, thirsty, 
in need alone. This is a home for God's people. And so may we not only receive this gift, but may we also share this gift to those who are in need, who need to be seen. To remember that the reign of Christ is about living and about loving. And may that love continue to be our lives. And may we go in peace. Amen.